Knock, knock, guess who is knocking at your door? That's right, you know it's the morning for sure. Might be a geoff, it could be, maybe it's Mitt Romney. What's that you hear? It's me, Jeff from This Week in Mormons. I'm holding the mic like a passionate singer to show you how much I care. And I really hope you're hearing this episode right now. That's all I have to say. Because once again, I am joined by my partner in uh, technological misadventures, our resident expat Australian Singaporean. I don't know. We'll, Josie, what do you consider yourself? We'll are are you a citizen of the world? Do you call yourself a world citizen now? Are you one of those people? Hmm, I don't know. I mean, if we're going off of passports, we could do that. But now let's let's just stick with American, Australian, now in Singapore. I don't know. That works for me. But yes, I also hope that people get to hear this episode because I feel like a veteran of the show now. But in reality, I've only ever been able to be on one episode. (laughs) I mean, this literally has to be the... Third, fourth? Fourth, third or fourth time we've recently sat down. So fingers crossed it works out. There's this weird curse going on between the two of us where the audio is always all messed up afterwards. Yeah, and I'll be honest. We don't know why. I don't have this issue anywhere else. It's very strange. I'm hoping it's not because I'm guessing because you're in Singapore, there's like viruses coming into my computer from you Could be. Yeah. I could make a lot of jokes about- the government right now, but I'd like to continue living in Singapore, so I'm going to keep those to myself. <laughs> you can't do that in Singapore. Everyone thinks it's this fun little utopia, but that, com- that comes at a cost. Order comes at a cost. It, it sure does. I mean, you're- Incidentally, I, I follow a, a travel vlogging couple that I enjoy, Kara and Nate. I don't know if anybody's ever watched them. If you're a listener, let me know. This is not On where YouTube. I thought this conversation was going. Please continue. I just wanted to see. So my understanding is next to the airport, there's like a big mall type thing, and inside it is some massive indoor like waterfall thing. I forgot what it's named. You know what I'm Jewel. talking about? Jewel. Yes, it's a new that, shopping mall. Woohoo! It's a mall, basically. Yeah, yeah. Singapore but is. The shots looked. Singapore is basically pretty. one giant mall. That's that's what we do here. But yes, so you can walk directly out of your terminal or sometimes you don't even have to leave the airport. There's some underground sort of thing that you can just get straight into the shopping mall next door. And it is the next big thing. And I'm not sure why everyone's so excited. Well, because they put like a 10 story indoor waterfall. I mean, yeah, it's pretty cool. That counts for something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've never been to Singapore. I, uh, I can't speak from experience. I, I just think it seemed it is, really nifty. It is a cool waterfall, and they've made like a really nice sort of sitting area, sort of kind of like graduated terraces with lots of greenery and foliage sort of stuff. So you can sit amongst your plants and watch the waterfall, and that's kind of cool, and the air con's on, which is important. And, Sounds delightful. And then you go shopping at, you know, 
Prada or Lululemon or whatever your heart desires. Oh, yes. Lululemon. <laughs> and then wait in line for Shake Shack for about two hours just to get to the front and then another hour for your food. That's what it, Shake Shack is overrated. Oh, well, I mean, I, maybe where you are, where you have a greater selection of sorts of well no singapore has lots of different types of food and lots of different western food yeah come on yeah but i mean we're not exactly a burger central so i think it's more that when something new comes and singaporeans are excited about it everybody's excited about it and they all go and they wait in line forever and they don't seem to mind that's fierce man i would never in my life i i get bothered if i go to a nat they have a shake shack in the nat stadium and if I have to wait there for 10 minutes, it's annoying. Oh, no, no, yeah, no. It is one of the longest lines I've ever seen in Singapore. And it's been open for several months now, and it is still a line. It's like when they open a brand new In-N-Out in Texas is or it? something. People just can't get enough, man. I, it's legit. I'll take your word for that one. But anyway. Shake Shack's <laughs> good, but it's boring, I find. It's good quality, but the but the flavor, it's just kind of straightforward. Oh, I, like anyway. I like a classic. I don't want any weird, like blue cheese sort of sauce on it. No, just plain classic burger, maybe See, cheese. There's a, bur- there, there's a burger chain sort of chain. There's three locations in DC and then there's some in like Saudi Arabia and one in Philadelphia called Good Stuff. Good Stuff. A b- big supporter of Good Stuff. Good name. They do. They have the Obama burger because the Obamas would oh, actually order out I've been for there. their staffers. Yeah. Um, so the Obama burger is really good. It's got grilled onions and like Roquefort cheese. It's it's delightful. Yeah, so no. I know it might be too fancy for you. Yeah, yeah. No, I just, it's, it's kind of like when you go to a pizza place and you just want to get a margarita pizza to see if that pizza is good because then you can trust the toppings. But you want the classic first. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, okay. I definitely don't just jump into prosciutto and arugula out the gate. Never. Which is the if I wanted a salad, I would order a salad. Oh, you sound just like some <laughs> other people. Arugula is amazing, everyone. And there's a lot of people who are not on board, but they should be. It's uh, some delightful stuff. It is. It so how is your life? What's going on on the other side of the world? Um, Tell us about the things of your I, I have... Well, I, I keep thinking that I should come up with some sort of churchy Singapore news. And really, the best that I've got... That'd be good. The best I've got this week is that I have discovered the Singaporean equivalent of church ball. And it is fantastic. I mean, considering that I have zero experience with church ball. But there is a group of majority Chinese, middle-aged, maybe like 60-plus... um. People who get together on Tuesdays and Friday nights and have the most competitive badminton competitions. And it is so great. And I am thrilled. My two years of playing in high school has got me into the club. I am okay, now. Hold on. I am allowed in the WhatsApp group. That was. You played badminton in high school? <laughs> that was an accomplishment. They didn't want me at first. Who I plays had to, badminton in high school? The people who What's didn't want up? to go into like cheerleading or softball or swimming. Tennis? Tennis? I guess that was an option. That one was outdoor, let's be honest. <laughs> I was going to play badminton. No, I needed, I was probably one of those that I needed a credit and my friend 
must have just said, hey, let's just do this instead. But then you did it for two years. It's not like you just needed a credit for some semester. That's you said, true. I'm in. Yeah, I don't know. So It's pretty fun, but our team was absolutely horrible. I think we lost almost every single game. And our, and this is with our high school didn't even know that like we really had a team. We've been forgotten many a times. So um, there in Singapore, does this like replace church ball? Is it kind of like that? Yeah, I think so. We're, we're not a basketball playing community over no, here. No, no. No, no. I would, I would, They're much better so at badminton. Does it get that into... I mean, we just talked, I think, on last week's episode about how in Utah, a guy tried to sue the church over an injury sustained during church basketball, and the Utah Supreme Court ruled that you can't sue for some reason. Yeah. So I, well, I does mean, it get that ferocious with the badminton? No, it's... Like really hard I mean, it's serves? not really a contact sport, so... No. It could be. I mean... Officially, basketball is also not a contact sport. You're not supposed really? to be smashing into people. Oh. Let's charge it. I mean, you're not, you know, you, there, you get... There's contact. Okay. okay. I'll give it that. Uh, contact. Once again, basketball, not my forte. So maybe this comparison isn't working very well, but... I don't know. That's... I didn't play it, it is pretty great. And let me tell you, those 60-year-olds, they can move. They are... <laughs> they have... Oh, my goodness. So anyways... It took me it took me a while to prove myself that I was good enough to play with them. And by that meaning I, I actually get beat quite a lot. It's really embarrassing. <laughs> oh dear. But they're good fun. And then they will like shout things at Mandarin at each other and then kind of forgets that there's um me on the court who has absolutely no idea what's going on. But they're also So you might you might say they're being a little too exclusive. Uh uh, maybe some say, people yeah. would just, feel just that yeah. way, but nah. Just, just, I mean, most of it's just grunting. They're just kind of like, <laughs> and it's it's Sorry, like what? it's like what maybe some other people would say, dude. But they just kind of like <laughs> and grumble at each other. I oh, I, I have no explanation of that, but I think it's I think it's hilarious and quite entertaining. So yeah, I've I've well 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 I just I was I have I was been fellowshipped to... into badminton and it's fantastic. Okay, it's, that's that's good. You've been yeah. fellowshipped. I was trying to give us a segue into an article the church oh. published. Oh, last the inclusion week. bit. Oh yeah. How can we create a culture of inclusion at church? I love I love all these little blog posts the church is doing. Sometimes they have an author, sometimes they don't. Yeah. And they just they just kind of seem scattershot. Every now and then they just kind of publish a new blog about this or that. Yeah, so. I was wondering if this was going to be a new regular thing, but I'm not too sure anymore. They seem to be publishing uh, quite Somewhat a regularly. number of things. We even have one of our writers, uh, Jeff Borders, who does the Convert Files over at our website, thisweekinmormons.com, recently had an article published in The Ensign. So, oh, cool. That can be an interesting process, actually, as, as a brief aside. Uh, years ago, one of my aunts also had something uh, published in the end. This is a 15 plus years ago, probably. And uh, the she submitted it, though, like 10 years prior to that. Mm. They just sit on stuff for a long time until they need it. Then they edit it heavily. This was a long time ago, though, uh, namely to remove most stuff about like adversity or like the negative side of stuff, the real life implications of difficult experiences that one might have. I feel like today they might embrace oh, no. that a little bit more and be more real, but she cracked up because she was like, they took out like all the hardship stuff that I talked about because it wasn't, you know, just like positive spin, happy times. And that's very church circa, you know, 2004, 2005. Oh. So it doesn't surprise me. Anyway, that I don't know if that happened. That kind of makes me cringe. Yeah. But uh, so 
being more inclusive at church. Back to you. We see a good example, of course, in the Savior. I think it's a good reminder that the Savior was very inclusive. Um, You know, the biggest example is with the Samaritans and just in general. I mean, how many times did he use Samaritans to teach the Jews something? And I don't know if everyone listening knows the history of the Samaritans, like why they were always at odds with the Jews. Um, I can explain it briefly, but essentially they share a common root and then Samaritan, they, they split sort of doctrinally. They have different holy sites, but they share a lot of original stuff. So Samaritans kind of regard the Jews as heretics that strayed from the truer faith and the same Jews to Samaritans. So there was a lot of bad blood there because they felt like both of them were sort of heretics from the true faith. And that's why they did, essentially why they really hated each other so much. Um, and that's also why the Savior, of course, used them as an example so often because there was no more potent example than the ones that they thought were basically the most wicked neighbors they had to show, uh, to humanize, you know, thine enemy and uh, show who we should love. So I like some of these. They have signs that someone is feeling excluded. Here's the things you can look These for. are my favorite. This is the best part of this whole blog. I, okay. Closed body language, such as arms folded tightly or eyes downcast. Sitting in the back of the room or sitting alone, not attending church or attending irregularly, well, yes, leaving meetings or activities early and not participating in conversations or lessons. Josie, why are these your favorite? Because I'm like guilty of most of these. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't feel excluded. Once again, I just made it on the badminton team. I feel like the best. But no, uh, I... My main. Well, you're problem- a bit of an in- you're a bit of an introvert, though. You know. Yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. why I'm like, if I'm sitting alone, it's because I want to be alone and I need a moment. If I wanted to sit by somebody, I'd go sit by somebody. So I mean, but no, I th- I think my biggest I don't want to say issue, but maybe concern with this is more of the looking around and trying to see. Oh, is someone having a hard time? It's more of the kind of guessing or assuming how a person may feel instead of like maybe just going and talking to them, which I think is kind of uh, perpetrating this behavior that I thought we were trying to move on from in the church of, yeah, not just assuming, but or judging, quote unquote, because everyone is all about um, not judging each other now. But yeah, just actually trying to go in and having a conversation to assess right. how that person may feel. Yeah, um, I like some of the tips they have. Yeah, the t- uh, I thought the, the first- tips were good. I just thought that the how to spot someone who feels excluded was um, kind of hilarious. But yeah, we just have to be be careful. Yeah, just be careful. But I think there's nothing wrong if you just yeah, just read the signs, right? Even if you sit by somebody and try to chat them up and they don't want to talk much, it's like okay, just let it go. Yep. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but ways first, to be inclusive fir- was good. Yeah. The first recommendation, uh, one that I think many of us struggle with, yeah. don't always sit by the same people in church. Uh, I have been admonished many times in ward council settings with, by by leadership saying, look, you're the ward council. Don't just kind of do your thing. Like I'm counting on you as the ward council to get out there and sit with people you don't know and get to know people. Hmm. Uh and of course, I—I I mean, I mostly fail at this part because I've got young kids too, and basically, I spend all the sacrament meeting just trying to corral them and keep them from escaping and causing trouble. And why would I want to put that on some some poor, unsuspecting soul who just wants to come to church and is trying to, you know, feel the spirit, listen to talks, all those things that I don't do anymore? Maybe they'd love and it b- because of 
They might. They might. I mean, people do love kids, but I don't know. At the same time, I, for me, I have a hard time just saying like, hey, we don't know that person. Let's sit by them and then subject them to the craziness of our children for an hour. Well, I that's think what, that's going to be fun. That, that's a fair point. But I feel like I I would use this advice in a maybe a different setting. Maybe not necessarily like where you sit with them in sacrament meeting, but when you go to priesthood or if you're at a ward activity. Like our ward has been newly reorganized and we had a Relief Society activity and I made myself go and sit at a table of just Singaporean women instead of That's like good. there is usually more of like there, there's still a little bit of expats are clustering together. Singaporeans are kind of clustering together and I want to meet and mingle with both. And so I was kind of, um, you know, trying to be a trendsetter here <laughs> and sat at their table. But it was good in the sense that like I initially was like, I, I had to admit, I, I know none of your names. <laughs> So can we still chat and have a conversation? And I think I had a better time than if I just sat with That's... the usual friends of, oh, hey, how was your week? Because I spoke to you two days ago. We don't have as much to have a conversation about. But um, And it wasn't That's something a... that was natural to me. As you say, I'm an introvert. So for me, I wouldn't normally just go, oh, a group of people I don't yeah. know. I'm going to go put myself in the middle of that. But I think it is important. That's a good reminder to um, to not be ashamed to be in being honest. Like I, I think when you're in a ward for so long, you, you feel like in any situation, like you should know who people are. Yeah, uh, and it could be potentially embarrassing to just, to just straight up say we've never talked. I don't actually know you, even though I've probably seen you here for nine months, and we don't talk. Yeah, so let's talk. Well, so- I think that's I think even for extroverts that can be a weird thing to do, and so yeah. I, I commend you for that. I mean, it's yeah. hard to just kind of to admit. I don't actually know you like I should. Let's fix that and actually know one another. Well, so I have a bit of a theory, which is, you know, that usual if somebody that usual way of starting to talk if somebody um, moves into a ward and a couple's giving a talk and they spend like the first five minutes or so introducing themselves. And yeah. I think it's nice, but then I've also found myself feeling like, oh, well, I already know them somehow because they've just introduced my, themselves, and then I don't go and talk to them because I assume I know their story. So I've mm. I've already kind of thought to myself, okay, I'm not going to do that because I would rather force someone to go and try and ask me, you know, and that at least there's a little bit more of that mystery, <laughs> more opportunities to maybe start a conversation if you don't feel like you already know, oh, you moved here from some other place and, you know, you have three kids or whatever it may be. And you tell a funny story about um, your relationship. Like, I just rather have those conversations on more of a person to person basis. Hmm. But, that's that's a, another great thought. I actually remember I'm, years I'm ago here for when that. We were, when we were newlyweds, I'm not, I don't know if this yielded results. It was more because of a time issue. My wife and I were both speaking. And so rather than do the big spiel, um, it actually kind of cracked us up because for some reason they switched the order, which I think was a great thing. Usually, more often than not in my experience, when a husband and wife are invited to speak and they're new to a ward, they ask the wife to go first and the husband is the closer usually. Yeah. Almost always it happens that way. Uh, for whatever reason, they just flipped it around on us. We expected the norm. So I was the first speaker and that was kind of funny because I got to, I, so I was like the one to introduce our family and Danielle and I had talked about how to do it. And I was mm. just like, uh, 
We're new here. We're originally from California. We didn't meet there. If you want to know us better, just talk to us after the meeting. Good and plan. didn't waste a lot of time. I mean, I'm not saying we made friends because of that, but it was so out of the norm. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps it changed everything, right? But I think it was more cracking us up that Danielle was all ready to uh, do the spiel on our whole family and how we met. And I wasn't at all. And I was like, oh, okay, well, here we are. <laughs> so um, this is a great piece in general. We can't spend forever on it. A couple, Two other ones that jumped out to me. Don't withhold friendship just because someone doesn't meet your expectations. And yeah. I think that's also very easy to do. You go in and you see like, oh, this person's going to be one of my people. Let's get to know them. And then if it doesn't quite go that way, you're like, ah. Um, and then the last one, take time to think about what it really means when we say the church is for everyone, no matter their differences. And I think that's a huge one. Yeah. Uh, especially in pockets where the church is a bit more uh, ostensibly homogenous, I guess we would say, uh, or at least culturally, you know, basically I'm saying Utah. Yeah, I was going to say places where it has Utah. A, place, places where it has a dominant role in things. Uh, it can be a little bit more difficult there. We have to be inclusive. We have to make room for everyone in their point of view and especially not like bat it down. I mean, if you're in gospel Sunday school and someone asks a difficult question, about a certain topic and you're a teacher or you're a commenter, don't just, you know, offer up the usual listen to the brethren and fall in line. Like take the time to acknowledge that we have different points of view and different life experiences. And that's especially true for some converts who might be uh, struggling or, or, you know, takes a lot more to internalize everything they learn about the gospel. Yep. Either way. It's a good piece. I, I mean, I know we have to move on from it. I don't know if you have anything else you would like to add. I have something slightly adjacent to that, which is yeah. a quick journalism call out that I have done on some social media as well. Oh, I that love it. I am brainstorming um, how to define Mormon culture. And so if anyone has thoughts or opinions, you can message me probably WhatsApp or not WhatsApp. Um, don't, don't WhatsApp me. <laughs> um, Instagram or Twitter would probably be the best option. So please send me your thoughts and ideas. And I'm only mentioning it connected to this one because um, inclusion, judgment, criticism usually seems to be a theme that is coming up. But I will pose this question, which is, that is human nature in any sort of community. So how is our church different? That's what I want to know. So if anyone this has burning thoughts or opinions, please, please get in touch. Okay. I like the I like the sound of that. That could be another one of your uh, podcast series. I mean, maybe. Do, I don't do know. Do it, Josie. I might pitch do it. it to someone who might pay me, Jeff, I'll be honest. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I'll pay you if you get really? to, I will Sure. Oh my gosh. Okay, we'll 12, negotiate later. <laughs> I mean, I'll give you like $12 US. What does that get you in Singapore? Some french fries? Boom. Mm, maybe, not even. I could probably get chicken rice. That's cheaper than french fries. That's There you it. go. Look at me. I'm a purveyor and a provider of chicken rice. Look how generous I am. Oh, man. Moving on. Okay. I'm going to do a quick international mention if that's cool with you. All right. Um, yeah, hit it. Let's see what we got. So this is a little bit of a slow news week, but here we go. Uh, so we have that um, some updates that the church is growing crazily in Mozambique. So the mission president is ex estimating that three new stakes will be created within a year. Um, how many... How many new converts would that have to be for new uh, stakes? A stake, in most cases, a stake is roughly 2,000 like active saints. Wow. 
and a okay. certain number of priests, and you have to have a certain number of uh, active priesthood holders. Yeah, you could have a bunch of you could have six thousand active saints, but if it's ninety percent women, then you know you still might not be able to pull off a stake. For oh, but. interesting. Um, you have to have enough priesthood to have like the leadership and the stake leadership and blah blah blah. Sure, blah, blah. you can't do it without some. Well, hopefully, good things will continue in Mozambique, and they're planning temple trips and of the like. Um, and then also in Africa, this is just like a boundary thing. The areas are being divided. So there's there's a fun little map. I, I'm including this mostly because there was a map for you, Jeff, um, which was that Africa is kind of divided into you have Middle East and North Africa, obviously at the top, and then West Africa. And then the majority of the continent has just been kind of grouped together in this southeast area and Africa, that's southeast which yeah which for reference sorry if i can interject so anyone Please who knows do. african geography basically following the border of so including sudan yep. and swinging down along the border with chad uh central african republic then it swings up and has cameroon so the yep. border basically is um you got egypt up north in libya and then nigeria and chad Amazing. and niger yeah. are part of africa west everything else as you said has been africa yeah. southeast but yeah southeast but now i don't know maybe parts that because of mozambique is booming they're dividing it into central and southern areas um so good for them i is this is uh, well is this a sign of it being like ooh progress yeah, like we need to divide the area or were they just not really sure what to do with congo no <laughs> <laughs> no it looks like no both both well right now both both congo is both uh, congo brazzaville and congo kinshasa are yeah. in africa southeast it's typically a good sign of growth because it means that they need to be able to localize leadership and even oversight yeah if you want to say that yeah uh a lot better and right now like i don't think we have much church in sudan for example um or in eritrea or in some or in you know or in somalia or any of those places but um it's a good chance to change to, yeah to focus in more and, good. and it makes sense i mean like like the opposite side of it for example europe used to have europe west europe central europe east hmm. then they dissolved they combined central and east and just made that called that Europe. And I think now, if I'm not mistaken, I think all of Europe is just one area now because it's uh, oh. not going gangbusters there. What does surprise me is that Africa West hasn't split because while there's a lot of work going yeah. on in Mozambique, and they have announced temples, though, of course, in Kenya and in Zimbabwe, and they just dedicated the temple in uh, in the DRC. I mean, a lot's happening on those fronts. And they're going to dedicate the temple in Durban uh, really soon. Um, so that's great. So it shows a lot of growth, but at the same time, West Africa, new temple in Ni a second temple in Nigeria, the temple in Cote d'Ivoire, uh, they seem like they're organizing stakes right and left all along Western Africa too. So good news. Africa's the future. And a quick one, as long as we're talking about boundaries, Mongolia has been also apparently growing, maybe enough to warrant this mention, apparently, and included into the North Asia region, which makes me wonder, and I haven't been able to find it, where were they before? <laughs> it says before they were just in the Asia region. Oh, okay. All right. So they get a little bit more specialization, because I think that lumps them in with like Japan and Korea as well, if I'm not mistaken. I would look up some more right now, but for some reason, the venerable website, Kimora.com, is uh, down, which is very sad. Well, you work on that. I'm going to I'm gonna continue because... Mongolia has like two stakes in Mongolia. Oh. It's pretty yeah, impressive. Yeah, yeah. yeah two stakes. Yeah. Good on you, Mongolia. Um, so, 
this one I want to mention real quick because I thought it was interesting given where it's at. Um, a YSA convention maybe isn't too big a news, but they hosted one in Venezuela in the past um, couple of weeks, which um, if you are following the news on Venezuela, you would think that life has not really continued as um <laughs> life has not <laughs> it it does seem that way though you just kind of imagine that the entire country is falling apart and so why would you continue with a YSA convention but um they look happy so <laughs> they, they don't have a care in the world they're so happy <laughs> Every, everything's coming no, to they, they had some really good like little quotes about you know striving through hardship and things like that and it all just felt very um poignant um, and then also there was the first youth conference held in Indonesia. Oh, well really? Done. First one ever. Indonesia and Malaysia actually have a lot more church growth than you might one might assume, especially because they're yeah. majority Muslim countries. Um, yeah. It's, 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 it's interesting to watch what's been going on there. Yes, especially since you can't exactly well you can you can proselyte, but there there's still, as you say, because it's a Muslim country, very strict regulations on who you can approach and who you can teach just because of the, you know, a very big difference between. Is that in, from, I mean, is that in both? I mean, obviously you guys live, you know, a bridge away from Malaysia. I don't know how it is there versus yeah. uh, I, Indonesia's across from the street. Speaking, yeah. I don't actually know as much for Indonesia, but just because um, Singapore is included in the Malaysia mission as well. So our missionaries are usually like quite regularly every couple of weeks jumping across um, the border to different um, or to different cities or towns or villages in Malaysia as well. So they're coming back and forth quite a lot. And my understanding is that, um, yeah, they just need to be a little bit more careful about who, who they're speaking to. They're usually tracking for other Christians, not Muslims. Um, so, huh. Yeah. 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 And um, I don't know if you knew about this one, Jeff. I didn't find much news about it, but Prince Atta, I'm hopefully, oh gosh, I'm probably saying that wrong. Anyways, of Tonga visited Utah last week. Did you know this? Well, I, I did not know he uh, visited Utah, but I believe yeah. he's the one who joined the church a couple of years ago after. Correct. So, the thing is, he had quite the journey. He was going to get baptized even years prior, and his father, the king, actually sent armed guards to the church meeting house to stop yes, his sir. baptism from happening. Yeah. Um, well, he went to Utah for um, some alumni association celebration. The Liahona Alumni Association. Yeah. Met with the mayor of Provo. Not really sure what was going on there, but hey, cool. <laughs> Well, he was a special guest at the, at the Liahona Alumni Association Utah yeah. County event at Provo High School. Oh, okay. I mean, maybe because so. there's quite a few people from Tonga who go to BYU. I don't know. I'm not really sure well, if there well, was well, any sort of policy. Or maybe it was relationship building. We'll put it in that category. It's probably a lot of that. And Tonga is the most uh, LDS country on earth. Yes, that is correct. Like 70% Latter-day Saint. Not all active, of course. This is 70. I thought it was like 60-ish. But yeah, you're probably right. I wouldn't Probably be surprised. Probably like 67. I rounded up. All right, sue oh, okay. me, Josie. I just rounded. <laughs> all right. We'll get the statisticians out on that one. All right. Um, so two two other quick ones, and then we can move on to yeah. more Utah yeah. stuff for the Utah fans. No, I like this more than Utah stuff. Good. Me too. Um, I'm hoping that we'll get other listeners in places like, I don't know, Hong Kong or Korea that will reach out to me with actual news. That would be amazing. 
So tweet me, people. Um, so there's a new family history center that's opened in downtown Paris. Huzzah. Cool that we actually got something in downtown Paris. <laughs> um, and my personal favorite, this is the best story to come out of New Zealand in like the past couple of years. There's a congregation who got a view of a rare white heron from their chapel on Sunday. Apparently there's only like 200 of these birds, but there, there was like a whole press release for this and a video. There's the, I'm going to watch the video. It's 28 seconds long. It's so great because they say, uh, yeah, just the Kiwi accent is delightful. It's a heron. I love this. <laughs> Gert Hendricks, rare white heron sighting. Yeah. It's like... Anyways, so... Oh, some, the, oh, some everyone, wife, you got to see this video. The some, video is literally this guy was like a ward member. Yeah, yeah. Or, and he's I like, assume. oh, so great. He, he's, it shows him standing in front of the church building and he just says, yeah, we saw this bed. And he just gestures over. It was over there on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> there it was and That's then it flew saw. away but they got two pictures of it that are quite grainy and uh so great but apparently there's only 200 of the birds and so they were all thrilled and i, I love the excited reactions of like oh i've lived here all my life never seen one of these until now and it just showed up <laughs> like, this seems delightfully new yes to this is very kiwi isn't it oh it's so great anyways That's awesome once again slow news week but no, there we no, go no it's not because i'm gonna take the, us back the heron was worth right it now. we are gonna go to your home state oh no the land of hell known what as do, arizona what do we do why is this why are you why do you hate it so much i thought we were bonding over things like our dislike of trek and now trek this is, trek is very silly trek it's is true worst. because arizona is the worst and everyone knows this i don't it's even know not, why you disagree with true. me it's, the only good part of Arizona is Sholo. Everyone knows. What? Obviously. <laughs> so, because his name is Sholo. No. Which is good for something. So, is, is there's that an Arizona. It? Have you ever been to Sholo? Uh, no, I have not. Yeah, the here we this, go. All right. I've Proceed been to Flagstaff many times, and I've been, I've been east of Flagstaff to the giant cra- meteor crater. You know uh, the meteor crater? Yes. Yeah, that's amazing. Why? Oh, my goodness. It's so big. Uh, okay. Um, okay. All right. And I've been to like I'll Sedona, save those jokes for later. That way. I've okay. never been to Northeast Arizona, that quadrant. I haven't actually spent time in. So mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Winslow. Anyway, so there's an Arizona state senator, okay, named Sylvia Allen. Uh, she's a Latter Day Saint, and and um, Is she, she? Rats. she she got in <laughs> some trouble. Uh. Well, I'm assuming she's a Latter-day Saint because she was speaking at an event for Mormon political pioneers at the Arizona Republican Party headquarters in Phoenix a couple of weeks ago. I mean, yeah, uh, there's just some strong signs, but I'm not, I'm, I wouldn't quote quote us on that. We don't know for I'm sure. I'm pretty is. sure she is. I mean, what would she, come on. Anyway, she got into some hot water for uh, saying that we had to be careful about the, quote, browning of America and, quote, we're going to look like South American countries very quickly. And uh, so now she's trying to backpedal uh, from this. The backpedal was the worst. So she Explain tweets, why. Well, she tweets this whole apology saying that, you know, the classic, like, I've always supported immigration. I still support it now. Legal immigration and hitting on those points, which was, you know, that was to be expected. But then tries to cover up the fact that she it wasn't that they're browning countries. It's that those countries are uh, or may bring socialist practices. 
That was her apology. That was That's her a excuse very, uh, of why she disliked sure, looking sure. like I mean, South American countries. And I'm thinking, well, if we had a flood of blonde hair, blue eyes Scandinavians coming through, somehow I don't think the complaint would be the same. Just a thought. I, so, I agree with that. Incidentally, she represents <laughs> District 6, which is, uh, she lives in Snowflake. Snowflake. So ki- kind of close to Sholo. Kind of close Ish. to Sholo. Ish. Uh, so, yeah, this not is, as great uh, as you no thought. Really good, there's no really good way to spin this other than just saying you were wrong. And you, I mean, come on. Yeah. You just, you, you can't, you can't say things like and this. And also, she wants people what to assimilate. Great apology. That's not quite an apology. And, well, and trying well to like stoke fears of socialism and communism out of Latin America is a very 1950s, 1960s American foreign policy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's, uh, we've toppled governments because we were so deathly afraid of them uh, becoming reds. This happened quite a bit. And this is why Latin America hates us today for the most part. And we have bad foreign policy there. The U.S. doesn't have a lot of influence in Latin America, even though we want to like run Latin America. That's a whole other thing. Basically, we just, yeah. Yeah. But don't worry, we had our guy Pinochet. He was great. <laughs> Loved him. <laughs> oh dear. This is such anyway, a bad, bad story. Anyway, bad on you, woman. Bad yeah. on you. Yeah. You shame. Resign. Shame. To shame. Uh, one more political one then real quick since we're sort of on that topic. KUTV decided to run a piece. Uh, it's actually they were parroting a piece from 538. 538.com is a site that specializes in prognostication, statistics, usually of the political variety, and it's very well-researched and very interesting, I would say, good. for the most part. 538 good is a, a good website. So the article is, how different would the electoral, electoral college look if Deseret, the, the territory of Deseret, had become a state in 1849? You, you, Those knowledgeable of church history will know that the land claimed as Deseret for the state of Deseret by the settlers was, uh, shall we say, gargantuan. And Brigham Young basically laid claim to land stretching from Utah down through Arizona, through all of Nevada and parts of all the way down to Los Angeles and San Diego. It was a the U.S. government, of course, didn't really play. Yeah, they didn't really play ball with this. But it's kind of funny to see the math uh, being run on this. It's arguing that if it was just basically taking today's demographics, so to say nothing of how the cities would develop differently and stuff if it was all run by, you know, Mormon settlers. If you took how things were today and put them in these boundaries, uh, the you'd get have 32 million people and 44 electoral votes in the state of Deseret. And it would have voted for Hillary Clinton because Los Angeles would be in its, I mean, yeah, duh. Come on. What else is going to happen? Not how would that have changed Hollywood? Sorry, I'm more interested in that, not the election. Could you imagine if Los Angeles were just there and yet the capital <laughs> of Southern California was Salt Lake City? Oh my gosh. We'd be living... Th- it would not last long. I've got a pretty bad feeling that would get split up. I'm, I'm sure. There sure. must be some like... Um, there must be some fiction written about this somewhere as if Deseret was actually a thing, you know, some counterfactual book. There must be. Why don't you write this? Uh, you, you're looking to get paid for what you do for some reason. Perhaps I, you should. I am as contact a Sherry journalist, Duke. not as a fiction writer right now. Oh, but you listen. It's got to be some kind of dystopian thing because that's what the, all the kids love. That's write what they love. Young, yeah, for young adults. Yeah, and it can be all about 
weird politics of the area. The sad thing is, of course, the Mormons claimed a bunch of land for Deseret, and the feds methodically pared that back into the boundaries of Utah today. If you've ever read the book, How the States Got Their Shapes, it's a, it's a really easy read, but it's you learn about how every state in the United States is shaped the way it is. You know, there's a reason behind everything. And, you know, most states out west are a lot more just boxy. Uh, Utah had a lot more land, even in the territory of Utah, and the feds just kind of very deliberately to reign in the Mormons, wanted to strip them of natural resources. So they took the gold that's now in Colorado, cut off that part and gave it to Colorado. Uh, when silver was basically discovered in what is now Nevada, they just kind of changed those boundaries. So they they deliberately were trying to prevent the Mormons from slimming the state down. Yeah, that has, I mean, there's still a big mining presence in Utah, but yeah, they went through a lot of effort to uh, prevent that. Mm. Well, I'm going to give a quick mention for those who remember any of the news about Sam Young, who was um, previously excommunicated for, uh, he was the one who was uh, protesting for, um, kids not being interviewed alone by bishopric members, correct? Okay, so now he's doing, or he's announced the first national march to against child abuse. Is this the first march? I haven't fact-checked that one, but he's organizing a protest walk pretty much in Salt Lake and about, I think specifically, child abuse in churches. Um, do you have anything to add there? No, it's just yeah. that uh, I think it's Quick unfortunate mention. Sam Young. I, I think it's unfortunate he was excommunicated for this in the first place. Uh, mm. We've seen in we've seen in recent history though, essentially trying to pressure or uh, shame the church into certain courses of action, even if it does undertake them in the end, such as how it has modified its policies for youth interviews. Yeah. Uh, but still, doing it that way doesn't usually end well. I mean, we'll, we remember ordained women and Kate Kelly. There's nothing yeah. wrong pursuing that cause, but the way they went about it, I think, caused problems. I don't think Sam Young did anything at the level of Kate Kelly as far as being belligerent, but he also would not would not back off. And that's this is kind of what winds up happening. So I'm all for the cause in general. I mean, I yeah. think it's fine. And I'm glad, I'm glad the church has opened up about that and said, look, just look, if you want parents to be there in your youth interviews, fine, do it. I do think it's a little bit goofy because now they had that survey a couple of weeks ago asking about the how we feel about strange. interviews for eight-year-olds, yeah, which was either tone deaf or more of a actual, like a reaction and a work in progress based on these other issues. And we just don't see the whole picture yet. I'm not quite sure. So good for Sam. <laughs> good for Sam. All right. Your turn. Okay. Interesting uh, article here over at LatterGayStories.org. Okay. So there's a whole podcast, Latter Gay Stories, which talks about Latter-day Saints who are gay. This one, though, has taken off a bit more. It's called Coming Out. I am currently a stake president. So he says, you know, he's he struggles with all of this. Okay. But he says, you know, I'm 57 years old. I'm married to a woman. I'm currently stake president, and I know myself to be completely and intrinsically gay. I have disciplined, excommunicated, and personally distanced myself from men who share the same attractions and feelings as I have, not always because they deserved it, but because I didn't want to admit to myself that they were doing the very thing I would also do. Uh, that's just one paragraph in what is a very interesting read, because you hear, of course, a lot about 
LGBT Latter-day Saints trying to work through that and the church at a higher level trying to understand how to navigate those issues and 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 what to teach its people. But you don't read a lot of, of current stake presidents saying, yeah, I'm gay too. And of course, he, it says coming out, but he this is still written anonymously. As far as you yeah. know, he hasn't even ever told his wife or anything. There's no mention of kids in the article. Yeah. Um, but so it's not even coming out for fear of, of course, what this could all mean. Because um, it's someone who loves the church, but who, of course, also just struggles with this. I mean, here's this, uh, there's one anecdote in it where he says, where was this? A grieving family. Recently, a couple came into my office and shared with me that their daughter privately came out to them as a lesbian. They encouraged her to remain silent until she was away from the home and away from her ward community. Her parents, experiencing some of the same feelings I feel right now, are befallen by shame. They do not want people in the community, and particularly their ward family, to think less of them. They do not want to be labeled, spoken ill of, or negated. And as a sacrifice for the comfort of the parents, they are willing to let their daughter collapse on their altar of pride. Instead of allowing her the opportunity to, to grow, they feel a duty to protect their own image. Uh, and he says, what have we become as members of the Church of Jesus Christ that this is our first motivation? How much lower must we fall to lose sight of the Redeemer who promises to make us whole? My advice to this grieving family was to honor the beauty of their daughter's creation and adore her, adore her with effulgent love. Uh, and I encourage others to do great things. And of course, then he just says, like, I was beside myself when they left my office. I couldn't even take my next appointments. I had my clerk cancel all of them, and I just wept in my office, basically, trying to figure this out. Uh, we talked a lot about inclusion earlier in the podcast. Yeah, and, and this is a big one, I think. This is but a I- big one. It's it's tough, though, because what, I mean, I know we say you can be gay in the church, but if this stick president were to come out, like, come out, come out, and announce yeah. himself as yeah. gay... Even happen? if he says, like, I'm gay, I'm not going to go pursue those sorts of things, but I am gay and I'm still going to be with my wife or whatever it may be. Like, officially on paper, that's okay, but I have to wonder if he'd get released. You know, I, I hate to think that, So I have yeah, to wonder if that would happen. So there's no, there's no, regu- like, do we have regulations on that? I got to hope not, because to me, I feel like that... Well, you, I you don't think that this would change my opinion of my stake president. I would just feel like, oh, he probably feels a lot better having gotten that off his chest. I I, I don't see why it should suddenly make him any less um, I, worthy to yeah. fulfill that calling. It, I, well, it shouldn't. I mean, you'd be less worthy to fulfill the calling if, like anything else, you came out and then broke your temple covenants and were not, you know, worthy to serve in whichever way that might be, whether that's you had an affair on, on your wife or, um, you know, any number of things, or you decide to pursue a sexual relationship. Um, so then the concern again, seems to be more about how it's you'd cultural. be perceived. Yeah, yeah. Which is actually one of the things that I've been trying to think about a lot once again with my cultural call out, which is like, how, how do we have, um, a, a space for, um, LGBTQ community when we say that we're going to be all inclusive? Um, but are, those who I've spoken to feel like the actions don't quite match up. And yeah. is this one of those situations where you really, really want to feel like everyone would just accept the state president if he were to come out. But um, I, I also kind of feel like 
I I wouldn't be surprised if there were actions as a repercussion. I mean, it's hard. To, it's hard to see how there wouldn't be. Yeah, but there shouldn't yeah. be. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's no reason not to, right? I mean, if you, you could come out and if he's like, I'm still faithful to my wife. And I, I imagine if he were to come out and say, I am gay. And while I'm not going to like break the rules, there's no reason for me to be married anymore. And that would solely be because stake presidents are just supposed to be married. Like that's just one of those rules, like a bishop. You don't have single stake presidents or single bishops by rule, essentially. Um, but that wouldn't be like a worthiness thing. That would just be a... You know, it's just an administrative. Yeah, more than deal. anything, reading his piece just makes you sad. Really, is more is it just because it reads like he's calling for help, and yeah. so many again, so many people that I've spoken to who have, um, well, quite a few who have since left the church because they've also struggled with um, being gay or whatever it may be, and just the feeling of just absolute loneliness and isolation that they all describe that's that's a concern to me and that's not something that you can find if or guess at if they're you know as the previous article suggests like if they're just sitting in the back of a room with their arms tightly folded and their eyes downcast like you're not gonna know what's really going on and maybe you don't need to but how can we be like genuinely more inclusive of someone who isn't ready to or isn't able to fully come out. Yeah. I don't, I don't have an answer for that one yet, but I'm trying to figure that out. So. Yeah, me neither. I don't know. It's just an interesting piece. It made me think a lot more because you hear these stories of people coming out, but you don't usually hear it from from that it's very easy to assume like yeah, yeah but like you know none of the church leadership like that is gay right it's other people but of course the they must be yeah 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 so well worth the read interesting comments at the bottom too just as part of the uh the article worth uh worth spending some time mm-hmm. what else do you want to hit on this week josie um apparently there's out. there's a new church book on church finances and also a piece that has been republished, I think, again, about, oh, the scandal of how our leadership, our church leadership, well, specifically the general authorities, get a living right. stipend. So those two, I feel like, are fairly connected. I'm not really sure why that's a scandal. Do, well, we, do we just like to say that, oh, we don't have a paid clergy except for the general authorities? It's also because some people think that the the general authorities, especially the twelve, the brethren, uh, receive far more than like a simple it's, stipend based on some yeah. things that have leaked out in the past. But, but what's okay. not clear as, as as far as what's leaked out, it's like is this actually their living stipend or is this sort of their operational budget for their little silo, like within the twelve? And you know, they get bonuses at the end, Christmas bonus. <laughs> <laughs> well done oh, great job there quentin you really hustled yeah, the, the yeah. tithing this year yeah you dedicated a temple 20 grand here you go <laughs> elder suarez is stoked he's like i did my first like, yes my first. that's uh, terrible and we're gonna get struck by lightning shame on us <laughs> but it is pretty funny you know it's true that. no i'm just kidding I, I think the budget thing is that there are many who yeah just think it's uh they perhaps get more than they should. I do. I will say some of Daniel Peterson's logic 
I don't totally subscribe to. I don't have a big issue with like the financial stuff in the church at all. But yeah, I um, think but, that's but, why but, I'm making fun of it. I don't really. But, either, but what so. he does say is these men in the private sector would make substantially more money than they do doing this for the church. I'm like, Maybe. that's true. I'm like, that's true. And they would. I mean, they would. These are a lot of people who are experienced professionals and presumably before they were called to full-time church service may get a lot more money. But like that doesn't, if if what they are receiving from the church would be exorbitant, that doesn't still doesn't justify that. I'm not saying that is the case, but you can't just say they would make way more money here. It's just like what aboutism almost. You're just saying, well, who cares if they're making too much here? They'd make even more outside of the church. Yeah. All that matters is what they're actually doing. I, I do love the picture he has of, I think it's uh, President Kimball's house in Salt yes. Lake City, which is just this yes. little like Salt Lake cottage. And he's like, behold, the Kimball mansion or something like that. <laughs> uh, single story. Nah. And that's oh, a funny dear. thing. I mean, I know President Hinckley lived in the apartment and so did President Monson. I don't know if they always occupy that. I don't think they do. Uh, but the brethren live kind of far and wide. I believe uh, Elder Packard um, lives... He still lived up in like Brigham City the whole time. And I had a buddy who lived in North Salt Lake or Bountiful. And I think Elder Perry was like lived up there in their ward. They don't know. They're not all like chilling in some cool church compound in Salt Lake City. They're just kind of doing their thing. Hmm. And as far as the church finances one, it's actually a review of 46 years of research by uh, Michael Quinn, who is a famed Mormon historian. Well, former. He's part of the old. Yeah. We'll call him a Mormon historian. It's fine. So if that's and, your jam, he's got a book out. Yeah. Uh, That's about it. Yes. You should read it. He's Michael Quinn's famous because he's a member of the uh, fabled September 6, if you're, you're familiar <sighs> with that. So back in the um, what early 90s? Yeah, I think it was like 1993. Uh, in about a matter of a weekend or so, a number of critics and whatever, feminists, the type, who, for, for lack of a better way to say it, John DeLynn types. I hate to say it that way, but that might paint a picture for you, okay? <laughs> Um, okay. six of them, six of them were excommunicated in quick succession. And so the Salt Lake Tribune dubbed it the September 6th. And that's sort of the, that's the term, that's the name for that episode that's sort of stuck. And so, uh, Michael Quinn was one of the September 6th. Oh, okay. And he still considers himself a Latter-day Saint. He's, he's gay and, uh, but he still like believes even if he's not a member. So... There are people who are far more knowledgeable about all of that than than I am. Anyway. Good. Well, well, everyone, let's all be well and do good things. I would like to spend some time right now and thank Josie for putting up with how many times we've had to do this show together and hope for good things. And also for having a Fingers husband crossed. on whom I have a man crush. Oh. Yes, Jeremy. Jeremy, you are He's a good looking a man. Human. You're just a beautiful human, Jeremy. You're a little short for me, but otherwise. I'm it's okay. all right. He's a little short for me as well, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, you know, what can we do? Uh, um, yeah, there's so, not much so, we can do for that. So uh, now you, you encourage people to contact you if, with various points in this episode. Why don't you drop those again? Yes, please. So talk to me about Mormon culture. Do not complain to me about something that your stake president said to you. I've had enough of those. Um, unless it is relatable to Mormon culture. But yes, please. I'm on Instagram and Twitter. You can DM me, Josie Gleave. Um, Gleave. G-L-E-A-V-E. Yeah. V as in Victor, as we like to say over the phone. Yeah. Sure. That's us. That's me. Good deal. Good deal. 
Folks, Thanks, if, you're never, if, you're, if you're not a patron on Patreon, you should do that. Find This Week in Mormons on Patreon and pledge a buck a month. I will keep asking until I make thousands of dollars every week or month. Until you get your own stipend and Christmas bonus. I want my own stipend in my own mansion. I want to live in the avenues or in the neighborhood named after um, universities over by the U. That's oh, my that's goal. A- <laughs> it's a nice area. Folks. That's a good plan. So please do that. But of course, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash This Week in Mormons and follow our Instagram and Twitter and all those good things. And if you have not subscribed to this podcast, if for some reason this is your first time here, I say that like I'm accusing someone of this is for some reason your first time here. If this is your first time here, well, thanks for spending the time with us. Hit that subscribe button in your podcatcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google, whatever you're using. That would be terrific. And write us a review if you would do that as well. I know I ask a lot of you, but this is free. So do your part. Keep the lights on. Once again, thanks, Josie. Good luck in Singapore. Thank you. All right, enjoy, folks. Enjoy. We didn't even talk about your life today, Jeff, but I hope it's going well. So no one cares that. about my life. I deliberately I just care. nothing. I care. I hung out with Henry Kissinger yesterday. It was delightful. What? Really? Are you by just throwing out, that in at the last minute to make me curious? Well, by hung out, I mean I was in a room with him along with like a thousand other people and I took pictures. I mean, I was, I sat. But you got a picture. Yeah, not with him, just of (laughs) him. Okay, next week. We'll leave it on a cliffhanger there. What happened with Jeff and Henry Kissinger? Just me and Henry just talking about how to, you know. Having a good old. Talking about rogue diplomacy in the 1970s. Party on. Fantastic. All right, this week in Mormons is over, everyone. Be well, be holy, and be happy. (laughs) Thank you.